Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and I want to talk about one of the most important, if not the most important, probably is the most important subjects in the whole Bible that a lot of people don't understand and don't have a good grip of, and I pray by the time this is over, you will. And we're going to start off in the book of Genesis, if you want to go there. I want to talk this morning about the blood of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus. This is another one of those markers that if you go to a church, they should be talking about the blood of Jesus. Amen. This is the, this is the, the key. Today it seems like the church is afraid to talk about the messy blood of Jesus. But it's the blood of Jesus that saves us. It's the blood of Jesus that transforms us. It's the blood of Jesus that heals us. And, and more importantly than anything, forgives us. Is anybody thankful that your sins have been forgiven this morning? Amen. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But sometimes we wonder, and you might wonder, why blood? I used to wonder that. Have you ever wondered that? Why blood? Blood's gross. Does anybody have problems seeing blood? The only time I'm good with blood is when it's my own. I, I'm okay with that. I, I handle that pretty good, but I don't like to see any other people's blood. Blood's, blood's, some people faint at the sight of blood. But a lot of people, you hear it talked about, and you wonder, why the blood? I'm going to show you this morning in the Scriptures why blood. And we're going to look at the very beginning, why we need the blood of Jesus. So back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, I'm going to show you the fall of man, fall of Adam and Eve. And the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Now, there's lots of different messages in these first few uh, verses here, but we're just going to stick with the, the one about the blood. Has God really said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you, lest you what? Now, before you go on to the next verse, that's us. We're born dead. We're born with an issue. We're born with spiritual AIDS. Okay? So because of what they did, because of what happened, we are all in need of what they were in need of because of their mistake. So he's, lest you die. Then the serpent said, you won't die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes, this is so key, then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. In other words, they knew that they had messed up. They knew that they had sinned. And watch what they did. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Let's pray. Father, in this morning, in the mighty, powerful name of the Jesus that is above every name, we pray for your word to come forth in power for revelation to take place, for eyes to be opened, for hearts to be changed. We pray, Lord, that every spirit of the enemy is defeated and destroyed and disarmed 
and that people will leave different than when they came in today, healed, delivered, and set free, and more importantly, saved by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your word. And everybody said? Look at the last part of this verse. This is, the mo- this is religion at its core. This is what religion is. There's many religions all around the world. There's only one truth. How I many know there's only one way to get to heaven? Many, if you ever talk to someone who says we believe in the same God, we're all going to the same place, they have not read God's word. The Bible tells us that there's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus, and we're going to see why that is this morning. But religion tries to get to God through their own ways. When Adam and Eve failed, the very first thing they did was they started a religion. And the religion was, we're naked, we need to be covered. So they went and sewed their own covering and put it over their bodies. See that there? They, they did what religions do today, which is try to get to God the way they want to, the way they feel is right. Many, many religions are like that today. So this is very important that we understand why blood had to be shed, why their sins had to be, and what covers their sins. So they, they, they get half of it right in the fact that they know all of a sudden, we're naked. We're, 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 we've made a mistake. So they go to try to cover themselves. That's religion. You see that? That's religion. In whatever form it is, outside of the blood of Jesus, it's religion. Now, let's skip down to verse 21 and watch what God does. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So this is the first shedding of blood in the Bible. Why? Because they needed to be covered. He killed an animal, he took the tunics of skin, and he covered them. So man tries to cover themselves in their own way through religion. God has a way to cover us, and we need to do things. If we want to get into God's heaven, we have to do things God's way. Okay? So religion made right with God, trying trying to do things in our own way is what this world has tried to do. So, so why blood? You wonder, why blood? Write this if you're taking notes, because life is in the blood. That's what the Bible teaches us. The, te- the, the Bible teaches that we cannot live without blood. Blood flows through our bodies at a rate that I, it's hard to even explain how fast blood is constantly pumping through our bodies, and it's cleaning, and it's working, and it's our heart's pumping, and it's what keeps us alive, and so blood is life. Life is in the blood, the Bible tells us. Now, it says thousands of years before, how many know scientists try to figure things out? Way before scientists ever figured anything out, how complex the the blood is, how extraordinary blood is, and how life-sustaining blood is, the Bible told us, and I don't have this in the notes today, but you can write down Leviticus 17, 14, says this simple statement, the life of every creature is in the blood. Is in its blood, okay? So blood is, as I would say in Spanish, sumamente importante. Amen? Can I get an amen from everybody who speaks Spanish? Blood is very, very important. And that just goes to prove that the Spanish language just emphasizes better. It doesn't sound as good in English. Sometimes I just want to throw that. I'm, I'm coming off of speaking a whole week of Spanish. So uh, I, I, I got up and said, hey, y'all know that I'm Mexican? I bet you guys don't even know I'm Mexican. you guys know I'm Mexican? I am. I'm not joking. I really am. I'm born, I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm New Mexican. 
Amen. I am. I'm New Mexican. Anybody else in here New Mexican? No? Amen. So the blood is everything. Amen? Now as we start to get to look into this, in ancient Israel, in the times of the Bible, blood was not just a metaphor. It wasn't just something that was mentioned lightly. It was literally the symbol for life. Okay, that's how important it was. It was equivalent to life itself. In most occurrences where blood was shed in Scripture, it meant that life had ended. To remove blood is to terminate life. So we have to understand why is blood important? Because blood is life. So that means that the blood of Jesus gives us life. Okay? Now let's talk about the most important time after Adam and Eve that happened in the Bible that shows us why the blood is so important as we look at Passover. I know we're in August. Passover is back in April. But I want to show a little bit about this. Go to uh, Exodus chapter 12. And I'm going to read some verses here from Passover. How many know what Passover is? Raise your hand if you know what Passover is. If you've been saved very long, you should know what Passover is. If you don't, you're going to know this morning. It's not a Jewish custom alone. It's, it's something that's significant to our salvation. And we have to understand the Old Testament to understand the New. And so in Exodus 12, it says, right before we put it up, let's, let me give you a little bit of background. The Israelites are, getting, are about to get out of slavery. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And God is dealing with Pharaoh and, 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 and his people, and he's trying to get Pharaoh to release the Israelites. And finally, one of his plagues is he's going to kill the what? The firstborn what? Male of, of every person who lives as a sign to Pharaoh and, and specifically to Pharaoh because of Pharaoh's rebellion. And so he is going to send, the Bible says, the death angel through the land. And as the death angel is flying over the land, he looks at the house of every individual. The door. As he looks at the door, if he sees what we're going to see here in a second, he passes over. If he does not see what we're going to see here in a moment, he kills the firstborn. So death and destruction falls to those who do not have the blood. Let's look at this here. Y'all following me? For I will pass through the land on, of, of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods, it's important we understand that there are gods today, but they're little g's. We're thankful we know the big G. Amen? All the little gods of Egypt, and I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, the blood. Why the blood, Pastor? Why do we sing songs about the blood? Why the blood? Because the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, you got to see there's a whole other message here. You got to understand when God looks at us without the blood, He sees us. When He sees, what's wrong with that? When He sees us, He sees sin. When He sees sin, He must, he, he must look away because God cannot stand sin because He's perfect. I know it's hard for us to understand that, but that's a fact. But when we have the blood of Jesus applied and God looks at us, instead of seeing us in our sins, he sees the blood. Okay? This is vital to our salvation. So he says, when I see the blood, I will what? Pass over you. That's what Passover means. It's that simple. How many like simple things? 
And the plague of death, today for us, it's the plague of sin, which is death. The wages of our sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he says, the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here we see what Passover is. God is going to destroy the firstborn. He's simply going to look at the doorpost. It's very important this morning as we get through this and go to this that you understand it's not just enough just to believe in the blood. You must apply the blood. Make sense? Okay, so let's, let's see exactly what happened. Let's go back a few verses to verse 1. And we're going to see why it's so significant that there's a Passover. Why it's so significant that it's an animal. And as you read these things, somebody help me with this. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament. Okay, let's say that again. This is that's so important. The, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I did it backwards just to mess with you. And the Old Testament is the New Testament. So the, the Old Testament is concealed to be revealed by the New the New Testament reveals the concealed of the Old. Everybody with me? So sometimes when we go, ah, I'll just read John through Revelation. I don't want to read that old book. It's not real. If you don't read the Old Testament, you don't understand the New. That's why we have to believe every dotted I and every cross T in the Bible, even the verses and the parts of the Bible that don't make sense to you. It seems to be Leviticus is the, the, the least liked book in the Bible, poor Leviticus. But it's a very important book. Okay, So when we look at the Old Testament, you begin to be excited as you see the New Testament revealing what's in the Old Testament. So it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to the congregation, and on the tenth day of the month, every man. Now here's another reason why we talk about the man being the leader. Because it's God ordained that the man leads his family. Thank you for that one lonely amen. It's the truth. Okay? A man is supposed to lead his home. And let me just throw a nugget in here for you. Let me just throw a little free thing in here. Men, where are you at? Let me see your hands. Men that are, that are fathers. Let me see your hands, fathers. You're going to be responsible for your family. I didn't say this in the first service, so you're special today. Okay? Men, put your hands back up. Fathers, put your hands back up. God, you see them, right? You know where they're at. Amen. Men, you're going to be responsible. You can put them back down for your families. He's not going to ask you how much money you made. He's not going to ask you how many houses you had. He's not going to ask you what sports you played. He's going to ask you, where's your wife and where's your kids? Amen? There's that Mexico whistle. Amen. Hello? So, in other words, we were talking about this. I'm, no, leave it up because I'll come back to it. I'm just throwing this in because I, I feel led by the Holy Spirit to say it. We, we have to understand that as coming off of a Mexico conference, Pastor and Abe, you get a lot of time, downtime talking and sharing. And me and Pastor Abe and Pastor Fuentes were talking and, uh, about ministry and everything. And, and so many pastors, unfortunately, today, so many pastors are preaching messages and their wives and kids are rolling their eyes as they preach because they're not living what they preach. Amen? Now listen, I understand there are black sheep. I understand there are situations, those things. I understand parents can't control, but there is a lot of control parents have. 
And the truth is, is when you're preaching a message and you're living for the Lord and you're pastoring, your, parent, your wife and your kids need to be your biggest fans. Amen? Because you're living the life that you're preaching. So if they're rolling their eyes and they're living like aliens and they're doing all these different things, something's wrong in the house and you're putting too much emphasis on everybody else in the church except your own family. As I stood up and watched Pastor Fuentes, I use these examples with Pastor Bland. I use this example with myself. I have two daughters for the glory of God. They're both married, serving God with their husbands in our church. They serve because they want to serve, not because they have to serve. Because we tried to live a life where they would watch and be the leader as the man and the woman. Have everything, as, not perfect, but have everything in an order where when I preached, they did not roll their eyes. Amen? Amen? So it's not what you say, it's what you do. And we're going to be responsible for our parent, our kids, and our families before anybody else. So going back to this, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Now, what does that sound like? Why do you call Jesus the lamb? Okay, because he's the lamb. According to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, then let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the people. According to each man's need, you shall make your, your count for the lamb. Now watch this. You shall, your lamb shall be without, shout that word out loud, blemish. Christ is the lamb without blemish. Why? Because he was born without sin. Now take that down for a second because this is important. We're going to go back to verse 5 in just a second. This is important. This is vital to our salvation. If Jesus was born of a man, then his body would have been filled with the sin of the blood of a man. Correct? So it's not just some cool Christmas story that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's not just some neat thing that sounds cool that the Immaculate Conception, as the Catholics would call it. It had to happen. Jesus had to be born without sin. So if you think about this, I know not a lot of people know this, but and, I, and I'm not going to say I know it all the time, but I study these things. We have chromosomes in our body. We have 23 pairs. And 22 of them have to do with a, a lot of our body, and one of them has to do with what, what determines sex. If we're male or female. And by the way, how many sexes are there? No matter what society says. And your blood will say that. Male and female. X and Y. You guys are getting all kinds of stuff I didn't say in the first service. Amen. It's always a different message. You ought to stay for both. So, so I produce a, if I, I, I produce a, an X. No, a Y. Men produce Ys. Women produce Xs. Chromosomes. Okay? So, and the man determines the sex. So, Every person, let me just throw another free thing out, by the way. No matter what gender you think you are, your blood tells you who you are. Next time you find someone who's sexually confused, let them know, go check your blood. And whatever your blood tells you you are, you, uh, you is. Amen? Not what you determine, but what God determined. That's just free, just throwing that in there. Amen? But here's the cool thing. Now, I don't have a proof about this. Frankie was talking to me about this after the first service, and I've read it many times. And there's no doubt this is the truth. I just don't have enough 
actual scientific proof to say it that it's been found, but it would be true if it was. So if the X is determined by the female and the Y is determined by the, by the male, and there was no man involved, if you remember when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you will have a son. She said, how? See, she understood gender. She said, how will I have a son if I have not known a man? Right? Is that the Bible? And then the other verse says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so when Jesus was born, if he did not know, if Mary did not know a man, she would not have had a Y chromosome to make Jesus. That's why it's called supernatural. So God placed a Y chromosome inside of Mary's womb, which cannot come from anybody but God, because it has to come from a man. Now, the cool thing is, and I believe this, although I'm not going to say it's scientifically proof, because I don't like to say that without knowing it, but I know it's true without the scientists. If you were to, because they say that they got Jesus' blood and they tested it. Now, I'm not saying that can't be true. I'm just saying I don't know it to be 100% true. But the truth is, if they got Jesus' blood and could test it, it would only have one Y chromosome. It would not have any X's because Jesus was born from God. Amen? Is that cool or what? Okay, so he wouldn't have the, all, the, all the, the chromosomes everybody else has. He would just have the fathers. Amen? Isn't that cool? So on that note, as we think about this, let's put verse 5 back up there again. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's why Jesus is without sin. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. How many are still here, by the way? Now, you shall keep it till the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the, shout it out, and put it. That's key. It's not enough to say, hey, we, we were going to kill the goat, Lord, but we didn't have time. We believe that goat would, would save us. We believe that, blemish, that lamb without blemish would save us. That didn't work. If the angel, death angel comes through and the blood has not been applied to the doorpost physically with their hands, there's no salvation. So it's not enough just to believe, and you'll see this a little later in the message, it's not just enough to believe that the blood of Jesus forgives us. We have to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. We have to understand that it is what covers us. Lord, cover us in your blood. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus of protection over my family. I'm applying that in my prayer. Amen? I'm not just believing it, but I'm applying it over my family. Okay? And then it says, and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. And then we read earlier, what happened? He saw the blood and he went over. Give me an amen. Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And here's the key. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, or for our simple understanding, forgiveness. So here's the key. If you don't believe in the blood, shed blood of Jesus, you are not saved. If you do not believe in the shed blood of Jesus, you are not forgiven. It does not matter how good you are, how religious you are, how many verses you can quote. You must believe that the blood of Jesus is what saves you and forgives you. Amen. Amen. Just telling you what the scripture says. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Well, I just don't know about all that bloodshed stuff, that animal stuff, that this and that, that. You better believe it. 
because your salvation hinges on it. What your salvation doesn't hinge on is how good you are or how, how good works you do. Because we need redemption. We need to be put back in place with God to replace the bad that Adam and Eve did to us. It's not our fault. But how many know we probably would have done the same thing? We're quick to blame Adam and Eve. We probably would have done the same thing. The purchase back of redemption is this, the purchase back of something that's been lost. A lot of people don't understand their salvation because they don't really realize how lost they were. Amen? How is, how is the ransom paid? Someone has to pay for that person to get that person back. Jesus is our ransom. Jesus takes our place. Amen? Now, thinking about works, I, I mentioned this last week sometime about a guy I was witnessing to at the bank from Nepal. Father's a Hindu, mother is Christian. I don't know what that means exactly in the Christian, but lots of people say they're Christians, but she's Christian. So he understands the Bible. He understands uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. He understands what Hindus believe. And so he starts to tell me as he's talking. We're, we're, I was opening up an account for the church, and we were talking about things, and he says, he says, you know, the... Not, there's not that much difference between the Hindus and Christians. Anytime everybody ever leads in with that, be careful. Okay? Because they're trying, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put us all in the same boat, and we're all going to get to the same place. But that's not what the Bible teaches. He says, yeah, we got a story like Moses, and we got a story like Noah, and we got a story like this, and we got a story like that. And as he's talking, he gets to where everybody gets with religion, which is at the end, he says, and, and what we have to try to do is be good to people and love people and treat people right. And how many know that all sounds good? And that's good, and we should do that. But the problem is that's how they get to heaven, by being good to people, by loving people, by all those different things. And so I let him talk and let him talk and let him talk. And when he was done, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, oh, that's good, but let me ask you a question. Do you think you're going to die someday? Yes. I said, what are you going to do when you stand before God and you have this balance in front of you of the good and the bad that you've done in your life? And let's just say a number to make it simple. Let's just say God tells you all the good things you've done, and you've done a thousand good things. And you're like, oh, yes, I'm good. I'm a good person. I deserve to be in heaven. And then said, God says, but here's 1,001 bad things. You can't come in. If it was based on that. Did you know that most religions, if not all the religions in the world, that's what they believe? Don't let them lie to you. Don't let them tell you something else. That's the truth. They're based on works. And the Bible says that our works are like filthy rags. In other words, there's nothing we can do to be good enough. And when, listen closely to this, when we try to get to heaven through our works, we are telling Jesus his blood is not enough. The blood of Jesus is all we need. That's all we need to be saved. Because he paid the price on the cross once and for all. You have to have a revelation this morning of how precious the blood of Jesus is. You have to have a revelation this morning of how powerful the blood of Jesus is. You have to have a revelation that it is nothing else that's going to get you to heaven except the blood of Jesus. We've got to be so full of the blood of Jesus. Amen? 
We've got to understand that it is our redemption. It is our ransom. It is our life. Amen. I want to be so full of the blood of Jesus that if a mosquito bites me, it flies off shouting, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. How many want to be so full of the blood of Jesus that that's what happens? Although I would have swatted that mosquito. How many wish Noah would have swatted the mosquito as they got onto the ark? Look at Mark 10.45. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? And give his life as a ransom for many. Why many? Whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have ever lasting life. I'm very thankful that you're the whosoever this morning. Amen. Whosoever. I want to put up a verse that gives us a little bit of fear. I added this in this in the um, first service. It wasn't in my notes. Because we need to revere the blood of Jesus. If you haven't read Hebrews, you need to read it. If you haven't read 6 and 10, you need to read them. All of them, of course, but those two chapters. Because today, unfortunately, we have a, what I call, greasy grace being preached. Where people take the grace of God and abuse it. Because they're forgiven and because they're saved, they look for ways to, to live out their sins. And Hebrews tells us, watch this verse, of how much worse punishment. Now, by the way, let me throw this out there too, and I, I may offend some people, but that's okay. It's, it's the Bible. There's teachings, unfortunately, today that people cannot backslide from God. God will never leave you, but we can walk away from Jesus. And this is very clear here, that we can change our attitude and our mind about God. And it says, how much worse will the punishment be, you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing? See, I ask you this morning, what does the blood mean to you? If it's just a word, if it's just a song, something's wrong. It's not a common thing. And it says that the spirit of grace would be insulted. See, we need to get to a place when we are about to sin and we're tempted to sin that we think about God's, Jesus' shed blood. And that when I sin... I trample that precious blood that he has shed for me. Does that make sense? We need to get to a place where we're living holy lives and, and walking away from sin and not walking in sin and walking in the light. So read 6 and 10 of Hebrews later and, and see how serious that is because it's important that we understand that. It's not just sing about it and thank God for it and then just go do whatever we want to do. The blood of Jesus is not a common thing. There's, no, there's never been any blood like it before. There'll never be any blood like it again. It's the only thing that gets us into heaven is his precious blood. Amen? So it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, knowing that you were not redeemed, watch this, with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct. That's what religion is. It's, it's Russian roulette. I hope I'm good enough. How many are thankful today that we don't have to hope we can go to heaven? 
There, all these religions around the realm really don't have true hope because they're, they're hoping, but their hope never ends, that they'll be good enough and have done good enough to get into heaven. I told that guy at the bank, I thank God Jesus died for my sins, and the reason I'm going to get into heaven has nothing to do with how good of a person I am and everything to do with what Jesus did. That you receive by tradition from your fathers. Today, unfortunately, there's a lot of religious tradition. But with what? Shout it out. Shout it out. Precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, how today do we apply the blood? We don't have doorposts on our house that we're supposed to put blood over. How do we apply it? 1 John chapter 1. If we walk in the light, he's in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. From how much sin? All our sin. But there's an if. There's a but. We have to confess it. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Amen. That's the application of the blood. Confessing your sins. Amen. And right before we pray, right before we close, I want to I challenge you with something. And you can get to this place. No challenge. How many know when you're challenged by something, that challenge always is possible, but you have to act? Here's the challenge. Here's unfortunately how a lot of Christians leave, live if they're not in a Bible-preaching church and they're not praying and they're not being challenged to read the Bible and they're not challenged to live a holy life. They're just checking the box and showing up to church. There's the challenge. You can get to a place in your life where you're not confessing the same sin every day. And you're not doing it in a way, well, God will forgive me again tomorrow. And listen, I'm telling you this from experience. Because before I really got saved, I used to live that way. I didn't really understand how precious the blood of Jesus was. And I knew I could just ask for forgiveness tomorrow. That's not, that's not living in victory. God wants you to get to a place in your walk where it's not confessing that same sin every day over and over again. It is saying, Lord, is there anything in my life? If there's something I don't even know I've done, if there's something in my attitude, if there's something in my motives, search my heart and show me what it is. How many would like to get to that place? Well, you're not confessing the same mess-ups over and over every day, but you're confessing, Lord, I don't, I don't, not in a, not in a holy way, but I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I've been doing, Lord, I'm trying my best to not do anything. If there is anything, search me. That's where God wants us to get, because we need to get over those things. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, say it's possible through the blood. God would never ask us to do something we can't do in our own power. Just because we know the blood cleanses 
doesn't mean we do whatever we want. Romans 6 says, should we continue to sin? Of course not. Lord, today all across this place, your Holy Spirit is here, and Lord, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes our sins away, that cleanses us from unrighteousness. Lord, that you became the perfect lamb, born of a virgin, born without sin. You lived a perfect life, although you were tempted. You were tempted just like us, but in those temptations, you used the word of God. You said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, today in this place, give us revelation of what your blood means, what your blood does, and what your blood is. Lord, today I am saved not because of anything I can do, but because I believe that your blood was shed on the cross for me. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just picture, imagine, look at that cross. Look at that Savior Jesus bleeding from the crown of thorns on his head, from the blood from his face where they tore his beard out, from the wounds of being hit over and over, and them saying, if you're really God, tell us who hit you. From the holes in their hands and his hands and his feet, from the piercing of the nails, from the lashes all over his back that he took on that tree for us, for our healing, to the blood and water that poured out of his side as they stuck a spear in. All that blood was for you. He shed it as the perfect lamb to cover the sins of every confessed sin ever done. Today, if you have never done that, watching online, listening on the podcast, sitting in this congregation is serious business. Not only do you believe in Jesus, but do you believe in the blood? Because you can't believe in Jesus without the blood. I'm sorry, Jesus is a dirty Savior. Ugly, beaten, torn, horrible death. He's not clean. He's covered in blood so that God can look down and see the blood instead of our sins. Maybe today you're here and Maybe, maybe you're religious. You're here, you're checking off the box. You believe in God, but you don't really understand what Jesus did for you. Today, he wants you to have a revelation of what he did for you. How many all over this place today could be honest with God and say, God, I, I, I'm having a revelation right now of what your blood means, and I want to accept that blood, that forgiveness in my life. Just lift up your hand. I see your hand. How many more? I need Jesus today to change my life. All over this place, I see your hand. I see your hand. You know, it's an amazing thing. Keep your eyes closed if you would in reverence to the Lord. I'm going to say something that might blow some people away. The truth is, there's a lot of people going to churches today that think they're right with God and they're not. Because if you don't have a good understanding of the blood of Jesus, you can't be saved. You must understand. That's, that thief on that cross looked over at Jesus and he had a revelation. He saw a bleeding, dying Messiah. 
that he had mocked just moments before. And he saw the blood and he saw the Messiah and he said, your salvation. And Jesus looked back at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's not something that has to take a long time. But today, some of, some of us here maybe have been religious. We have, a, we have a, a knowledge of God, but we deny the power thereof. And Jesus wants you to have a conversion experience. Paul, who was Saul on his way to Damascus, was that religious person who was doing all the religious things. And he fell off his horse and looked up, and Jesus said, Why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you? He says, it's me, I'm the Lord. And he had a conversion experience. Today we need a conversion experience. We need to be covered in the blood. How many more all over this place would say, maybe I've been religious. Maybe I've had a head knowledge, but I haven't applied the blood. Just say, that's me, Pastor. I want you to pray for me today. Maybe you're here today and you're that prodigal son or daughter. And you're running from the Lord. And you need to come home. You need to get back in fellowship with God. You need to get things right. Let's stand all over this place this morning. And if you raise your hand quickly, I want to do this quickly, but it's the most important part of the service. If you raise your hand for salvation, first time or reconciliation, or maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but something's telling you, today the, the Lord is speaking to me. He's given me a revelation of his blood. And, and, I, and I have, he hasn't been seeing the blood in my life. He's been seeing my good works. If you're here today, let me, let me make it clear. If you're here today and you think that you're going to go to heaven because you're a good person, you're not saved. Do you understand that? You cannot go to heaven because of your good works. Now, don't get it twisted. We're supposed to have good works. But works are fruit of repentance. Meaning, I, 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 I can do nothing. I, can, I deserve nothing. You come in humility to Jesus. You say, I don't deserve this. But by your grace, which means not getting what I deserve. That's grace. I receive you. And now because you died on the cross for my sins, I am going to do good works. Because I'm so thankful. But you cannot get the cart before the horse. Trust me, lots of people do. They try to be good enough. They try to be, can't. Stop. The rest comes after. You've got to get yourself to a place of understanding this morning that I am just simply saved because of the blood of Jesus. Don't, does that make sense? Do we understand that? That's the revelation we must have. And then once I get that revelation that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and God sees that I understand that it's the blood that saves me, then he starts crediting it to me for my reward, my good works. But if he looks down on me and he sees works, then he expects perfection. So you cannot do both. You're either saved by your works, which won't work, or you're saved by the blood of Jesus which cleanses us from all of our sins. So quickly in this place, if there's doubts, if you've never confessed him, if you've never confessed him publicly, we do this from time to time. There's people who believe in Jesus, but they haven't made a public confession. 
He says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. But if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before your father, my father, which is in heaven. So quickly, if I'm talking to you today, you raised your hand, you didn't raise your hand, you're not sure if you're saved, you want to make a public confession, just find that nearest aisle and come down here quickly. Just all over this place. Just step out and come. I'm not going to wait long. I'm not going to beg you. Are you ready? Are you right? Maybe someone's doing it online. Let's say a prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm reading your word, and it's reading me. I'm a sinner, and I fall short of your glory. And the wages of my sin is death, period. But the gift of God is eternal life. And you said if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you died on the cross and you rose again, I'm saved. It is your blood that saves me. You are the perfect lamb without blemish. I believe that. I accept that. I receive that. Today I confess that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. My faith is not in me. The good works that I can do, it's in what you did on the cross as a ransom for me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and writing my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.